0: Right. Very good. Welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. Thank you for responding. We are excited we get to do a, just, uh, get to do baptisms here in a bit, and uh, we're excited about that. But before we get into one more announcement, uh, we are excited. Every year we do um, basically a, a church-wide small group campaign together. Basically, just kind of get together and say, hey, listen, we've been together all summer, but then we've been to two services. That feels weird. So let's all do something together during the week. And it's our small group campaign. So we've done one every year, literally for like the last five or six, seven years. And this year's no different. This year's called The Plan. And that's right here. Basically, it's going to be a study of Ephesians. We're going to go through the first three chapters of Ephesians uh, leading up to like December. They'll take a break for Christmas. And then January, February, March, we'll actually dive into the last two chapters, which basically means we're going to cover it well. And here's the thing we're asking. We're asking that each person who says vintage is my home would do their best to move towards making space to, for a small group, a vintage small group for you. And and we're excited about that. We we're looking to start start signups in two weeks. Now with that, the sign ups in two weeks, we still are looking for leaders. So I know a few weeks ago Scott talked about When he preached and said, hey, listen, if you've been here at Vintage for at least a year, you need to pray and ask God if you should be a leader. So I want to just thank you all for praying, interceding, going after Jesus about being a small group leader. And if that's something God's leading you to today, you can sign up for that. Scott will be outside at the computers and you you can go sign up and it'd be an amazing thing. right? The second thing is this. We have small groups that are still happening right now. And those small groups say, we're excited about those, we love those, but here's the thing, and I want you to hear this. We're asking that every small group would be a part of the plan that we're doing this fall. Why? Because there's something about doing something together that is profound for the journey that you're on. And so it's great to have people doing their own thing over here, and that's fine, But we're asking in this season that you would come do what the whole church is doing so that we can all be on the same page because we believe Jesus is intentionally taking us somewhere together. So with that in mind, Scott needs someone from your group to say, hey, I'll be the point person and you can contact me. Right. So if you know you're already in a small group and, you know, you probably haven't contacted Scott Then we're simply asking that you would just say, raise your hand, I'll be the point person this week and you'll go out to the computer, sign up. Why? So that Scott knows who your group is so he can connect with you, communicate with you and let you know everything that's going on in our small group campaign this fall. So with that, that's the that's the idea. This is the plan. We're diving into it. We are really excited about it. And, uh, and simply ask, ask this, you would begin praying right now that together, that God would take us on this journey, because the idea is very, very simple. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me, but I want you to hear this. Most importantly, He has a plan for us, together, as a unified body. That's why it's so important. these like robes, small groups are doing the same thing. Why? Because we believe that God has something He wants to do in us. Together. And so we're excited about that and ask that you would just make those connections and start looking forward to signing up for your small groups. Let me just say this real quick. My girls together are playing four sports this fall. Really five because my Anna Catherine's is on the bass fishing team. Thank you. Amen. All right. And, yeah, so we're excited about that, and and we're going to be part of a small groups, and we don't have time for one, but we're making time for one because we really do believe it's that important. That was a little bit of a guilt thing right there. Just receiver for what it is. All right, here we go. So let's dive in this morning, and uh, it'll be good. All right, so we believe God has us in this unique place this morning, okay? So everybody take a deep breath. Exhale. All right, so what we're going to do this morning is this. We want to dive in to what God is speaking in this season. So let me just go ahead and tell you, I know what's happening this season in your life. Something big is happening. Something overwhelming is happening. You're struggling in some areas. Someone in your family is struggling. Somewhere in your job, you're wrestling. Somewhere in your marriage, it's really, 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 really hard. Somewhere with your children, it's overwhelming. You find yourself not being able to sleep at night sometimes, and in your daytimes you're like, you're just like, I just want to Calgon get away." right? I get it. So let me just say, that is all of us this morning. In some form or fashion, each of us bring great weight to the table this morning of the things that we're wrestling with. And this morning we're going to tell a story. It's going to be a tragedy. And we all know how tragedies work. You watch a movie, you read a book, you see a play, whatever it may be, right? And it's a tragedy. And the idea of a tragedy is something terrible that happens. And in that tragedy, it becomes a learning moment, doesn't it? You watch a movie and you walk away going, my gosh, I hope that never happens to me, <laughs> right? And in the moment, it's a learning moment. It's a learning curve. And so this morning, we recognize when you read through first and second Kings and First and second Chronicles, that it tells the story of these kings of the Old Testament. And just so you know, most of them are tragedies. Most of them are tragedies. Most of them are overwhelming. Most of them tell stories of, 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 of these men who some of them start great and end poorly or just, man, they just it's poor the entire way through. Tells the stories of men in their own strength who could not lead a nation without God intervening. And so this morning, we're going to see the tragedy of Asa. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Second Chronicles chapter 16. Second Chronicles chapter 16, starting in verse 7, go 7 through 10, then 12 through 13. If you don't have your Bibles, that is fine. You can just follow along with your neighbor or you can just read on the screen. Says this. Second Chronicles. You find it, Gideon? Sit there, bro. Dad needs to work with his thumbs a little faster on that iPhone, okay? Alright, buddy, here we go. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, This is like a prophet, right? Hearing the Lord speaking to the king, because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the king and the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim, an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Important verse. For the eyes of the Lord, they move, they roam, they range. To and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Verse 12. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased, and his feet and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the, 30, excuse me, the 41st year of his reign. So if you know the story of Asa, you recognize that in this part, if you just see this part of the story, Asa seems like... An evil, oppressive king, doesn't he? That's the, that's the picture we have in these simple verses. Someone comes and tells him something. He throws him in prison, the man of God. Then he oppresses his people, and he's completely lacking faith and trust in God and the context of his everyday life. But if you go back, if you go back, you realize in chapter 14 that Asa, Asa was actually a man of faith and a man of God. How the full story of Asa speaks to a man who early in his life loved God, humbly submitted to his will. Each turn exercised faith and believing and trusting God in victory against enemies. The Ethiopians and the lubim Listen, they were much larger. Who were much stronger, right? It seemingly was over with the idea of like you've got ten. They have five thousand. And you're like, we have no chance. But Asa said, no, God's on our side. We're going to win. Like, this is the nature of this this man of faith, right, believing God. We're told that Asa did right in the eyes of the Lord. I mean, I want that said about me. I want you to say, oh, man, like, Steve's not perfect, but he he does right in the eyes of the Lord. I want to say that about each of you. That's what we want, right? Right? Asa did right in the eyes of the Lord. We know Asa, literally, he's the one who returned the law to the people of God, reawakened them to the law that had been hidden, and took the entire nation, the entire nation, and turned it back to God. It says that, he says, and God brought peace during his reign and brought victory to him. He prospered. Everything he did, everything he put his hands to, towns and cities, they prospered. God brought peace during his reign. Asa, in this stage of life, lived aware of and dependent on God for the better part of his young career as the king over Judah. So this is like every movie you see, right? Like they show the person in their early life and everything's great right Everything's man, peachy keen, everyone's loving life, this is so good. And then there's that moment. And in the moment of the movie, it's like the music changes, and it gets a little bit dark, and all of a sudden you see the person's eyes, and it's like they just kinda look into the camera. And then everything shifts. This is that moment. This is the moment because something happened in the life of Asa. Something happened, we're not really told what it was, but Asa pulled back from faith. He pulled back from trusting in God. Listen, Hear this part. He pulled back from faith and trusting in God as a lifestyle. Like, I don't know about you. Happy birthday, Sandy, by the way. Happy birthday. Yeah, Sandy's yes, birthday. Yeah. Yes. So in the context of Sandy's life, no. So in this context of his life, right, there's something that happened in Ace's life. Something shifted where he was... Pleasing in the eyes of God and the eyes of the Lord would range and look to and fro and they would always come to Judah and would always see Asa and strongly support him. And something shifted, and we don't know exactly what happened, but because he was a human being like you and a human being like me, we can begin to, to, to have some thoughts and ideas of possibly what could have been going on in the life of Asa, maybe in the context of his life, because he grew in his own wisdom, because he grew in his own knowledge, because he grew in his own power and his own authority. He began to trust self and his own knowledge and his own wisdom before he trusted Jesus. Before he trusted the Father. Maybe he said, well, I, I can do this. Maybe pride began to creep in of like, man, I don't I don't really need God. Maybe there was such a season of peace, he really stopped looking to God. Because you know how it is sometimes in human beings, the only time we're really good at looking at God is when things are going bad. I'm sure there's none of you in this room. Right? That when things go bad, we turn to God. And maybe in the season of his peace, everything going well, it's like, I don't really need God anymore because things are going fine. My family's doing well, my job's doing well, pretty, killing this king of Judah, I'm doing awesome, right? And there's this whole thing going on, peace, and, and all of a sudden, right, all of a sudden these things begin to happen again, and he's lost, he's so lost sight of God in the season of peace, he doesn't know how to turn back to God in the season of hardship. Maybe this is what's happening in his life. Maybe there was disillusionment. Maybe there was unmet expectations. God didn't do what he expected God to do in a season, so he kind of just did this to God. We have no idea. We don't really know. That's why you can fit yourself into the story so well. Because what is it for you? You know what it is. It's not rocket science. You know the things inside of you that... Can cause you to pull back, not look at God, trust self. You know those moments when something happens and how you respond? Fear, worry, anxiety, anger, all fruits of trusting self. And so Asa has this moment going on. And that's the tragedy, isn't it? He had been living a lifestyle. You all know how lifestyles work. It's just who you are. It's by nature, the thing that when you're squeezed, when it just comes out. So Ace every morning would wake up in the morning and go, Oh God, how's it going? I'm going to follow you. I submit myself again to you. All of my dreams, all of my aspirations, all of my longings, all of my desires, everything I submit to you, God, you lead me, you guide me, you direct me. I am yours, your Lord, and I am servant. And I'm so thankful to be following you because you're so loving. You're so kind and you're so compassionate, man. And you love me with everything inside of me. You're going to lead, guide, and direct. And when the enemy comes, and it's going to happen, God, it'll be really, really hard. But I thank you that you will fight for me. He lived with faith and confidence and trust in who God was in his life. But the tragedy happens. Asa had gotten to a point where this is the hard part. God was looking to support Asa. He wanted to do so in Asa's life, but Asa's stance. And position towards God wouldn't allow it. If we get the picture, he's basically, you know, says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. It's like Jesus didn't. Jesus was with Asa. He's just knocking. Hey, you want me to fight this? Oh, okay. I would love to strongly support. I'd love to pull myself out, bro. Just right here, man. Just knocking. I'm here. Haven't gone anywhere. Right? I was like, oh, okay. I can't. I'd love to strongly support. I can't. The position he had towards God, literally giving them the Heisman right here, putting their hands up and saying, God, I've got it. I've got it. I've got control. I've got authority right here. I can make these things happen. And thinking through our life experience, this does not seem foreign, does it? We all know people like this. You may know yourself who've done this. Those people in their lives who, I mean, you said, I mean they, used, they used to love Jesus. I don't know what happened. Man, they used to really exercise faith. I don't know what happened. How many of you, I mean, you can remember back in the day, like when you, were, when you were like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever, 22 years old, give your life to Jesus. Like, I'm so in love with Jesus. Like, everything's about Jesus. I just trust and I believe and I pray, see fruit, see him move. I believe, I trust God. You're amazing, right? And then now you're like, man, and the only stories you had to tell it from 20 years ago. We all in our own lives have these moments where life happens, commitments, disillusionment, unmet expectations, pride, disconnect comes in. We have these moments, and unfortunately for us, many of us have our seasons like Asa. What are we going to do? What does it take to be strongly supported by God? The answer for Asa, and it's it's really, really super simple and clear. Now, fleshing it out, to a different story, but... The type of heart the Father is looking for is expressed very simply and clearly in James 4 6 and 1 Peter 5 5, where it says this God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Isn't that the beauty of it? God is opposed to the proud. The stance before him, we, we literally cannot receive from him. And he gives grace to them. He pours himself out without measure, saying, Let me just like living water flow and flow and flow. The words succinctly and accurately describe the issue at hand for each of us and for Asa. Asa probably, without realizing it, have moved on from trusting. Listen, here's the, here's the sobering piece. You just missed what I just said. Asa probably didn't even realize. That he had shifted in his knowledge and his faith and his trust in the Father. He probably didn't even realize it. Because you know why? He was just living life. He didn't intentionally push away God. It probably just happened over a season of time. And he may have even been in prayer. He may have even been trying to do the right thing. Right? But he probably just got to the place where he had stopped Just as a lifestyle, trusting with great faith, believing God for the miracles, believing God for the breakthrough, believing God for the things he could not do in his own strength, right? He probably just had totally didn't even realize it in the moment. And the idea, because he got to this place of pride, you know what that is choosing self over anyone else, choosing my own abilities over God's, right? Choosing self, looking at self, exalting self, but God gives grace to the humble. And so for Asa in this, right, so Andrew Murray said this on the screen. Take a picture of this and just look at it this week. You can a couple of quotes from him talking about Jesus. He says, humility was simply the surrender of himself to God. He surrendered himself, every bit of himself to God to allow the father to do in him what the father pleased to do. No matter what men around him might say. Like, that is huge. Okay, don't look at me. Look at the screen on both sides. Read it again. Humility. Simply the surrender of himself to God to let God do in him what pleased the Father. It didn't really matter what any man might say about him. Let's go one more Mary quote, because he's just great. Read his book called Humility. We must seek a humility which will rest in nothing less than the end of death of self. Stop. Let's read it again. We must seek a humility which will not rest in anything other than the end of self and the death of self. Which gives up all the honor of men as Jesus did to seek the honor that comes from God alone. I only want to be seen by God. Which absolutely makes and counts itself nothing, so that God may be all, that the Lord alone may be exalted. All right, so I'm going to give you another five t- take 15 seconds to read it to yourself, because you can't listen to, so you can't listen and read the same time, so take 15 seconds, just read. Alright, so obviously we know a great example of this would be Jesus. Alright? Jesus was our model. He was the human being that Adam never could be, is to be an example of what our lives could look like. So if you want a biblical model of what your life can look like in power of the Holy Spirit, you look only to Jesus. Okay? That's an important deal. So without reading the story of the temptation of Jesus in Luke 4, most of us remember it, right? Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan River, and it's a beautiful thing. And then the Spirit of God leads him out to the desert to, to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights and to hang out with Satan. Great times, right? It's a great vacation. And so Jesus having a vacation with Satan, right? It's fantastic. Not really at all, right? And so in this moment, there's this great temptation that Jesus experiences and feels with the very core of his humanity. That's really important. Jesus was tempted in every one of intense so, so he feels the weight of it. He feels the tension. He feels the draw of it. He feels the pull and the angst of temptation, the context of sin in his life. Right. He endured it like we did. So he's he's out there. He hasn't eaten. I don't know about you, but when I haven't eaten, I get I get angry. Right. And Jesus is like having to wrestle all this stuff. And in this moment, he's like, there's this issue of pride, trusting, exalting itself. And so Jesus has these three dynamic responses. I want you to see them. So first, Satan comes Says, man, turn the stone to bread. It says, man, shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of the Father. Jesus, being in very nature God, said, You know what? I can't survive without the Word of the Father. I don't need to produce food here. I need Him. Speaking of humility, I live my life a lifestyle of needing the word and the relationship of the Holy Spirit, right? Of God speaking in my life because I cannot make it. I can eat bread all day long, but if I don't have him, I have nothing, right? The second thing he says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So this temptation, this is a big one. He's saying, I won't bow down and worship you. And here's the part of it you don't get right here, man, at see. It's also a temptation to worship self because the temptation was, hey, just 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 bow down and worship me. And I will go ahead and and make you the king of all the nations that in time you will be king of. And Jesus says, I'm not going to exalt myself because the temptation is you don't have to die. You don't have to suffer to get what you're going to get. Why don't you bow down to your selfishness? Why don't you bow down to your desire to not suffer and just go ahead and get what I can give you? It's an next temptation studies. I'm not going to bow down to my, my desires and my wants and my feelings, right? I'm going to worship God and I'm only going to serve him. I'm not going to serve you and I'm not going to serve myself. Third temptation, hey, just throw yourself down. And the angel will catch you and says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's saying this, I'm not gonna be my own God. I'm not gonna compete with God. And so what we see in Jesus is this beautiful dynamic of choosing as a lifestyle humility. And here's the thing about him: he was God. If anyone had the right, quote unquote, to do this, it's him. And he's like, even I'm not going to do it as a model for each of you of how you live your life so that God can strongly support you. Because if you don't want his support and you're doing your own strength, he'll let you. Now, I'll never forget. I was about six years old. This is one of the like, you know, those memories of Dad. You know, like, you do something you shouldn't do, and something's about to happen that revolves a hand on a bottom right. Like, I'll never forget, I'm six years old, and there's this tire in the back. We're to go to the lake, and we have friends there, and we had to unload this big, like, spare tire from the back of the car to to put the to, all the stuff in to go on a camping trip. And I'm like, I start pulling it out, and my dad goes, hey, let your mom do that. And I said, I got it. And I just... Pulled it out. I I mean, I'm getting it out, y'all. I mean, I want you to know I pulled that tire out. I didn't know that tire went as I did, and it landed right on my foot. And I started yelling, and my mom put her hand on me, and I went like this and hit her. Like, I hit her in the arm, right? And I just flung her arm away. And the next thing I know, I'm being dragged down the sidewalk into my house by my dad, right? And I'm like, oh, Jesus, right? I don't know what happened. It was not pretty, okay? But in that moment, right, I was trying to do it in my own strength. And it didn't end well. And dad had to discipline me, so I would never do that again, right? Because I don't know about you, but when I do things in my own strength, it probably leads me, like Asa, to hurting other people. And dad has to discipline me, too. Jesus is a model for us. Of not doing it in his own strength, but leaning into, trusting, submitting himself to the Lord. His greatest power, hear this. Let's talk about an upside down kingdom. His greatest power was his humility, his greatest power was getting out of the way to let Dad take care of everything. His greatest strength was leaning into and trusting God and saying, I can't, only you can. You must increase, I must decrease. Francis Frangipan says this, Another picture, worthy moment, Satan fears virtue. he is terrified of humility. he hates it. He sees a humble person and it sends chills down his back. His hair stands up when Christians kneel down for humility is the surrender of the soul to our to God. Our equipping with power, a life that's strongly supported by God, demands our equipping, our equipping with humility. for without it power will go to our head. A little we'll about the spiritual death of many others, including Asa. That's why Asa's story is a tragic one, isn't it? Asa never woke up from trusting self. He never woke up from his own pride. And in humility, he never turned back to God's leadership. And I believe it surprised, I believe that it surprised the writer of Second Chronicles. Because in verse 12, he says this in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. Now, here's the deal. It was not wrong to seek help from the the doctors. I'm going to say that right The doctors wasn't. That's the word we use. It wasn't wrong to seek help from doctors. But in this, there came a point like they couldn't help. And even in that moment, he never turned to God. Which begs the question what if he had? Like, what if he had fully submitted himself again, like, turned completely back as a lifestyle? to the Lord. I mean what would have happened? We don't really know, but we do get a snapshot in the life of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was another one of the great kings, right? Lived his life, submitted to the Lord, did everything right in the eyes of the Lord, and somewhere along the way he got sick. And about that same time he gets sick, it was about the same time when he had really, if you read the story, kind of like a little borderline and kind of turning away from the Lord and trusting his own strength. Just to read it yourself. And, and and in it all he gets starts getting sick, he's going to die And the scripture says, and he humbled himself before the Lord and repented, turned back to God fully. And in his repentance, it says, God, you know, and just submitted himself to the Lord. And it said, and and God added 10 years to his life. And he walked with God the rest of his days. And I just wonder, was that what Asa was, was that what God wanted to do in Asa's life? But Asa literally put himself in a position where God was not able to move because of his pride. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. What do we do with that? We can literally hinder the movement of God in our lives. Movement in that because of our pride, our selfishness, our turning to self. And that's the story of Asa. What if he had returned? This morning for you, I'm about to go into our baptisms here in a moment, but when you get, when you walk out of the movie that's a tragedy and you're like, and what do you all say? Oh my gosh, I wish that it ended differently, right? And God looks at us and all those and says it can end differently with you. That's what he says in the telling of a tragedy. So we learn from mistakes. He says it can end differently. Son, daughter, it can end differently with you. Are you aware of your pride? Are you aware of your selfishness? Are you aware of trusting self? Are you, listen, hear this. I'm almost done. Give me five minutes, please. Are you aware where you have increased so much that when you look at stuff, you're so big that you're all you can see? You're all you can see. What do you see? Well, you see your frustrations. You see your worries. You see your doubts. You see your concerns. You see your anxiety. You see all this stuff. And he's saying, God gives grace to the humble who like John say, hey, he must, he must increase. You gotta get bigger, Jesus. You gotta get bigger in me. You got to get bigger, God. Because I don't want to see myself anymore. I want to. I've only got to see you because this is overwhelming. I have to see you, Jesus. I I'm not going to take a step today, God, unless I see you because I'm just, I can't. I can't move without you, Jesus. I I just can't move unless I see you, God. You're everything to me. I submit myself to you, God. I, uh, you give grace to the humble. I submit myself. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for increasing. For, forgive me for allowing pride, for ambition. For selfishness, to just over for worry and anxiety and angst to overwhelm God. All I could see for so long. Forgive me for getting comfortable thinking that's what life would be. That's not life in Christ, God. You've given me a life to look at you, so you increase. So all I see is you, and when I see Jesus, all things become possible because He is the object of faith. I was reading myself this week, challenged by this own word. You recognize. Right. That whenever I teach, I, I'm as 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 challenged, if not more than all of you. I, mean, I, I was sitting there this week going, oh, man, <laughs> Jesus, I see Asa all in me, man. I see him. Got to get him out. Right. And so I was reading from Psalm 100, I think it was on Tuesday, and I've kind of been there all week. And as I read Psalm 100, I saw a picture. I don't know if it was a, I don't know who wrote Psalm 100, man, woman, I have no idea, but but Psalm 100 is this beautiful psalm written. And in the psalm, I see a picture. As I was reading, I'm like, God, this, this is the lifestyle of a person who, tr- who knows me and trusts me and rests in me. And so it says this, Psalm 100, four verses. It's it. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. He's Lord, right? Come into his presence with singing. Know with great confidence, trust, and faith. Know that the Lord, He is God, right? There's no other. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture, therefore we enter his gates with thanksgiving. we enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him, bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness is to all generations, my generation and on and on and on and on down to us and our children, our grandchildren's generation. He is faithful. So what I saw in this was a guy who was a sheep. Right, And we're the sheep of his pasture. Sheep. Man, do you know what it takes to make them afraid? Hardly anything. Everything makes them afraid. Right? And we know from biblically, biblically speaking, I mean, there were like lions. And there were like bears. And there were other like wolves. And all this type of stuff out there. Right? There was all of this going on. And they were like, ah, right? Ah, afraid all of a sudden. Right? And so the good shepherds out there. So the sheep... Of God's pasture go, oh I see it and what do they do. Rather than run different directions trying to fight, hide themselves, they run to God because you know what God's doing? He's running towards them to run right past them to embrace and attack the enemy. That's what he does. And this guy's going, I know it, with great faith. He's so increased in my life that I just couldn't help but enter into his presence and worship him. Because in humility, he's increased and i decrease. decreased. And he is everything to me. And I submitted everything. I don't look for any man's glory. I don't look for any power and ambition. All I want is Jesus. And if I have him, it's enough. And if he wants to give me those other things, that's great. But all I really want is what he wants to give me. And I live submitted to him in faithfulness, saying, God, all hell is broken loose in my family. And I want to run and hide. And I want to try to take it on in my own strength. I want to try to fix it in my own power. And we all know that's this Asa mentality. And what he's looking for is to say, God, I can't. And I won't try anymore. I'm going to sit at your feet until you so increase. Get the picture. G- Jesus hadn't gone anywhere. Excuse me. God hadn't gone anywhere with Asa. It was still probably Jesus. Jesus hasn't gone anywhere with us. And what we do is this: when we finally stop seeing self, it's not that he increases. It's just that our eyes actually come into view. He's already been there all along. Right. He's been sitting there going, now you see, now I can do it, (laughs) right? I am the shepherd. So, but the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness is for you to every single generation. And so for you, as all the tragedies end, you walk away and now you have a decision you have a response to the tragedy that's been spoken. God, am I going to hear this and recognize this is, really, this, this is really for my spouse? Or am I going to say, no, God, I see where it lands with me? Because all of us have some wrestling and some tension. And you know what you can simply do? It's real simple. I mean, you can go and try to read all these books about it, or you can just say, Jesus I'm going to slow down today and stop so that you can increase, so that I can know what you think about where I am. So, Holy Spirit, would you lead me and speak into my life areas I need to turn over to you and submit myself and let you run past me to defeat the work of the enemy in me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for the tragedy of Asa so that we could learn from it. And, Lord, I pray for each person today, Lord, as we talk and there's this wrestling, this tension. God, I just know there's some people like, I don't know how to do this. It's like almost like this almost creates more tension for them. I pray, God, for peace right now in Jesus' name. I pray for grace, your ability when we can't make things happen. I'm asking for grace. I'm asking that you would quiet us with your love before you so that we'll actually take time to listen, to hear you. You lead, you guide, you direct. Help us. You say, my sheep, they know my voice. And I pray, Father, for each sheep here today, God, for each of us. Help us to hear your voice. And I pray this, God, there are those, you've got his friends and, that I know of today, I'm sitting here thinking about as I'm preaching, and I know, God, this is hard for them because they are struggling. I just confess what I have no answers, really, except to, to turn them to you. But I'm asking Jesus, as your friend, I pray that you would open up the pathway of grace, that they would hear strategically your voice today. And that, God, you would reveal yourself to be who you are as the shepherd of their children, the shepherd of their families, the shepherd of their finances, and that you would awaken them today, God, to follow your leading and your guiding. And I pray today you would help them to humble themselves because you are their savior and you saved them from hell, but you were also their Lord at the same time who was Who You've been raised up to lead and guide and direct in every place of their life right now until eternity. And so, Father, would you do this work of speaking in their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we get to celebrate our baptisms. Because baptisms are that moment. They're that moment where we see those, and listen, don't check out because we're still here, man. Like, God, let's do a work in you. And these kids, and these adults, I can't remember who's been baptized in the service. Is it kids? Yes. Our youth and our children. And what we're gonna see in baptism, you're gonna remember. You remember when you got baptized, right? Remember when you gave your life to Jesus. You remember that? You remember how new and how fresh and how real God felt in the moment. You remember that moment where faith mean, you're like, Yeah, God. And it was like it was like it was like this moment of like every fact, me and God can conquer everything, right? And and so when we come and we see baptism and we celebrate it again, it's to for us to be a remembrance. If God was that yesterday, then he is that for me today. And so for each of you then, may this be a moment of celebration. It's fun. We're going to cry a little bit. It's going to be so great. But it's also the moment of remembering God's thing. Remember. Don't forget who you are. Because it's who you are still today. All right. So they invite Ann, Isaac, and Lauren to come up. They're getting baptized. You can stand... Uh, right over here, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're going last. so We'll do something real quick for you. Hey, don't leave quite yet, Lauren. We're going to do something together and then go quick change in a hurry, okay? I'm right. ask you all a couple. So the Apostles' Creed is something that we believe as a people for a long time. I'll stay here so you can all see me. Amen. All right. So you're going to say, I do at the end of this, okay? So this is a commitment to the Apostle Creed. This is basically what for a long time the entire church has said. This is what we believe about God, about the Father, about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. So it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven, and the maker of earth. We believe in this. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, he descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and see at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he will come to judge living and the dead. Do you believe this? And do you believe in the Holy Spirit? All right, fantastic. Alright. Lauren, you can go change clothes, huh? You better hurry. We're not waiting for you. Alright. Let me get Anne. So, why don't you go back and sit? That's Mr. That's Mr. Scott. You can just sit next to him, okay? And Scott's you ready to come in. You ready to come? Here we go. All right, family, go ahead and come up here. This is ann Margaret. Let me tell you something, kids. Those are getting baptized. There's something considered hot, and something considered cold. This is definitely more in the cold realm, okay, than the hot realm. All right, let me get that microphone. If someone has it. Let me see. stand right there. Okay. All right. So let's do this this morning. We're going to, yeah, family come on around. And we're going to leave space for the camera right there. watching this. So, Hey, you see yourself on the screen right there? Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Isn't it? All right. So you're right there. All right. So here, look at me real quick. So we're going to, I'm going to ask you first why you want to get baptized. Okay. Then I going to say something. So can you tell everybody today why you want going to get baptized?
1: Because I want
2: to tell the world that I've accepted Jesus into my heart.
0: Amen. Awesome
3: job. All right. Here you go. I right, come for um,
2: you. I wrote, I thought I would just get up here and talk because I have no problems ever talking. Um, but I got a little emotional trying to think through it, so I wrote you a letter. So I'm going to read the letter. Dear Annie Emmy. No words truly can convey the love that Daddy and I and your family have for you. You are truly a joy, and we are so proud of you and the person that you have become and are becoming. You teach us daily what it means to love big, and your zeal for life is contagious. You have a childlike faith, yet one so deep that no doubt you will move mountains. You have a deep, settled confidence that God is in control, and your trust in Him is unwavering. You have the ability to, no matter the situation, refocus your thoughts on Jesus. You are wise beyond your years, and you show us daily what it truly means to love him. You seek out those in need, and you offer help. You find the least of these. You carry around Band-Aids in your purse and a first aid kit just in case someone needs help. And when your friends are hurting, you cry along with them so that they don't have to feel sad alone. You give every penny in your purse or your unopened water bottle to the person on the street with great expectation that it will change their life. You are a deep thinker, and you love reading your Bible, and then you pray that the Lord will help you understand it all. Just last week, you asked me if we could start at Genesis and read the entire thing. I think we've made it to chapter two. (laughs) Um, You tell people that can't is not in your vocabulary. You are cheerful, positive, and you always can find the good. Your smile could light up a room. Your laugh is contagious. Some of my favorite nights are when we lay in bed telling stories, and you get so giggly that you have happy tears. I pray these days for us never, ever stop. For the past two weeks, you have told everybody from the public bagger to the target checkout clerk to the shoe salesman to the lady at the bank that you have asked Jesus into your heart to be your best, best friend for forever and that this weekend you're going to be baptized to tell everyone that you love him. I pray that your enthusiasm, boldness, and courage to share him will only grow and that the Lord will give you favor in all that you do. There's a song by Rita Springer called The Joy of the Lord. We sing it often in the car, and you dance around the house to it. It's upbeat, funky, fun, and spunky, just like you. It has kind of become your song. The chorus says, I want the joy of the Lord to come now, the joy of the Lord to fall now, the joy of the Lord in my life. I want the joy of the Lord to lift me, the joy of the Lord to change me, the joy of the Lord in my life. Annie Emmy, you are truly our joy, and we pray that the joy of the Lord fills you, lifts you, carries you, and blesses you, and that you will grow deep in him, and continue to share his joy with others.
4: And margaret God loves you so much. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for Aunt margarets life. We thank you that she is full of grace, full of your love. And Father, we thank you for today, that today is just a new day in her life. She can live her life for you, Jesus. You would bless her. You would just continue to fill her with grace and love for others. She would continue just to live her life, to love you, to serve you, and to follow you. We continue just to pray this over her and over her life. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Take you all the way back. You stand up, man. I got you. See those muscles right there, dude. I got you. All right. We'll see here. All right. So, yeah. Go ahead and get on around. Just real quick, as so you know, the idea of what we're doing in the talking piece. You know, when Jesus came out of the water, being baptized by John, the Father spoke from heaven and so said, "This is my Son, and He's awesome."
5: And so, we want to do
0: affirmation here. So, we have these affirmations before we pray and stuff. So, you affirming.
5: Isaac, your mom, uh, she called on Thursday and said, would you would you be uh, willing to give Isaac a baptismal affirmation? And I said, absolutely, it would be an honor. Um, and then I hung up and I thought to myself, I don't know what an affirmation is. Um, so I, I looked it up and <laughs> it, it turns out that I just need to say nice things about you. And that's really easy because... Steve uses this word, but you are awesome. Um, you're a joy. Love being around you. I could not wish for a better friend for my boys. You are blessed with um, intelligence, uh, unrelenting energy that just like goes on and off like this. You get a switch somewhere, and um, you're kind uh, and uh, uh, you're, you're very smart. And you also have the gift of leadership. Um, I remember early in our career as friends, um, Ryder had a moment of doubt. And he said that he couldn't do something. It was a situation where uh, it was the end of the game. There was a man on second. And Ryder said, I'm going to fail. And you said, Ryder, stop doubting yourself. And he got a base hit. And he drove in the winning run. Now, you were playing a video game. But... the importance was that you recognized that he was having a moment of weakness and you brought him up and I believe that there is no ceiling for you at all Um, I I can't wait to see what God has in store for you Um, I love you like a son your family loves you enormously as much as we're capable Um, But God loves you more. And this decision that you've made to be baptized is uh, the most important decision that you have ever made and ever will make. And I love you, buddy, and I'm proud of you.
4: Let's all bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Isaac. He is such a blessing to our family and to everyone that knows him. I am honored to be his father. I ask for your blessing to be on him. He is your child, which you have created, and I
0: know you have great things in plan for him. May his eyes always seek you and his heart always be sensitive to your leading as he grows. Lead him in all your ways, that his life will honor you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Can you tell us, everybody, why you want to get baptized today?
3: I want to get baptized because I want to show how much, everyone how much I love God and how much I just want to accept him into my heart.
0: Yeah, all right. So get on your knees. Does Gerald be baptizing you, okay? back and there she is. Come on, buddy. This is our good friend Lauren Zarnick. She is your senior at Harrison. And she's awesome. So why don't you hop in? Come on in. Get yeah, on. So you're gonna sit down. You're gonna sit down, okay? So you get to get yes uh, Gideon thinks that's funny. So all right. So, today, I'm going to ask you in a second, but today we have Emily Glaze here to affirm, and I'm excited to hear what she has to say for you.
1: So, anyone that knows Lauren understands that being her friend is a blessing. Um, One of my favorite things about her is that she knows and embraces who she is in Jesus. (laughs) Um, He shines right through her. She's kind, and she's always slow to anger. She puts others' needs before her own, and she loves well. My prayer for you is that as you choose baptism, to show your love for Jesus, that he would fill you in a completely new way and give you new vision as you pursue him. I pray that he would release new giftings in you and empower you to be bolder than you've ever been before for his kingdom. Lastly, my prayer for you comes from 2 Timothy 1.7, and that says that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Your veteran community loves you and is proud of you. Amen.
4: Scott's going to pray over you. Let's pray. Father, we want to come to you and say thank you for Lauren. And Lauren, the Lord would have you know that uh, in your moments of trying to be strong, Lord, He is with you, He will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you. He is the man of your dreams. He cherishes your heart. He wants to speak every day and tell you how lovely you are. You are a jewel to him. And just as we see in the Song of Song, he wants you to know that his heart beats faster with one glance from your eye, with one look in his direction. His heart beats faster. Because of who He sees in who He sees you to be and who He created you to be, so Lord, know the peace of the Lord and ask, Lord, we just ask that You would just bless her, fill her right now with Your Spirit, and let her know You more and increase every day. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: It's my honor and privilege hold you, are able to take you, back. My honor and privilege to baptize me in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Fantastic. All right. So I wanted to read this to you. We do the Apostles Creed every time before we, um, this is what you're committing to. Okay. This is the idea. You look at me. This is, this is what you're committing to. It's a sobering thing, which means it's a really big deal, right? It's kind of like I'm awake to this. This is true. i want to state it. So this is what you're committing to. This is, this, this, at the end of this, you say, this is what I believe. Okay. I believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth. Believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, descended into hell. On the third day, he arose again from the dead. And the last is I believe in the Holy Spirit. Good. Fantastic. All right. So, Trevor, you can go ahead and sit, like, right here. Actually, back with your mom if you want to. We're going to do Eve first. So, Eve, let me tell you. There's things that are cold and there are things that are warm. This is more towards the cold. Alright? So you can make your way in. Go ahead and stand right here. Family, y'all can come up. Go ahead and hop in. You got it? Alright, turn turn and face towards your Okay, fantastic. Alright. So one of the things we we'll to hand this to you, Morty, one of the things that we do at Vintage when we do baptisms is we love the story of Jesus. All right. We love the story of Jesus. And when he was baptized. As he came out of the water, the father said, man, this is my son. Mm. And him, I'm well pleased. I want everybody to know. And it's a beautiful picture. So this morning, we want to take a moment of, of affirmation just for, for Marty, his dad, to, to speak over Eve. And, uh, and so with that, Marty, this is your turn to, to speak into Eve's life. Thank you. Thank you.
4: All right, honey. You are our youngest child. You're our baby. It seems like a blink of an eye for mom and I. You're now nine years old, and you've made this very important decision in your life. And I just want you to know how proud I am of you and who you are. I believe in you. I love your spirits. You're beautiful inside and out. And always remember, no matter how old you are, you'll always be my little girl.
0: Elaine's going to pray over Eve.
1: Jesus, I thank you so much for this girl, this girl that I've known since she was just little, little playing around. Father, I thank you for her, I thank you for her life, I thank you for the calling that you have on her, that she has made the decision, she's following you for the rest of her life, and I thank you for the gifts that you have given her, that she walks in, that she hears your voice, that she is sensitive to you and your spirit and your leading, that even in this young age she knows who you are more than even adults do, I thank you for that gift that you have given her, you have put that inside of her, that she deeply desires you. And, Father, I pray over her, I pray that she walk firmly in her identity, that she, you sure her up in you, that you sure her identity up in, in you, that she sees herself the way you see her, and that as she takes steps forward, as she walks through this life, she stands firm and confident, knowing who she is in you that this world does not define her that her friends do not define her she doesn't let tv or anything else that surrounds her define who she is but who you are who you've created her to be that she is defined by that that she walks in that father you said your sheep know your voice and follow you this sheep this girl here she knows your voice and she is following you every step that she takes and i pray that every day that she wakes up She seeks you first and the calling that you have on her and the plan that you have and the uniqueness of who she is of who you've created her to be, that she just grasps that and run with it. I thank you for her. I thank you for this decision that she has publicly publicly made before her friends or her family, her church body. I thank you for her, Jesus. Just blessings on her. Amen.
0: Tell me why you want to get baptized today.
3: Because I want to show everyone that I love Jesus. Amen.
0: Trevor Ortega, and um, today I get to read um, your word of affirmation from your parents because they were going to cry. And uh, so I get to read it. This is from them, so don't look at me, okay? So, Trevor, you are one that sees things in their simplest form. You reminded us that taking society's expected steps is not always what is best or called on. Your courage to think outside the box and to sit back and see a bigger picture amazes all of us. For this reason, we are so excited to see how God has chosen to use you. Our hope is that as life gets more complex, you keep those gifts close at hand and you share them with those around you. We hope that you have patience and compassion for those who cannot see the simple as you do. We hope that you continue to work on your relationship with God and listen to the jobs and works He has entrusted to you. We believe they will be special and have a very real and rewarding impact. And making the stand for your faith and your beliefs and your God makes us so very proud to be your family. Go forth with the one who will keep you and do good, wonderful things in his name. And they said they love you. So, all right, well, I'm going to pray for you today, just a prayer of blessing upon your life. And I'm going to ask you when you get baptized. And I'll thank you so, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for his for his life. Thank you for Trevor. God, we thank you for his undeniable love for you, God. God, even as he shakes, sitting in the cold water right here. Lord, I pray that you would make him as one in humility who always trembles before you. With this, like, paradox, God, of understanding, like, fearing you because in respect, but so receiving the fullness of your love at the same time. He would always walk in that, Jesus, as Lord and knowing you. I pray, Father, at every turn of his life, that, Jesus, he would keep in step with your spirit. And I pray even now, God, Lord, Lord, he's like a gentle giant. And, God, which means in so many ways you've given him influence. And we pray, Jesus, that you would continue to increase influence as he increases his knowledge and his love for you. I pray a blessing upon him from head to toe, height and width. And I pray, Holy Spirit, As he goes down into his into this death, and he's raised back to new life in baptism, that you would fill him and flood him with the power of your Holy Spirit for the things that you have for him, we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Trevor, real quick, tell us why you get baptized today. Uh, To devote my life to God. Here we go. You ready? Baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
3: And I will.
0: going to do this this morning is to end our time. I know we're already past time. Got to get the kids meant to get back, but let's do this. Let's just all stand together and uh, we're going to sing this last song of worship. And during the song, here's what we're going to do. Actually, I'm going to do this. We're going to officially end service. So this right here is the end. Okay. Once we end service, if you've come prepared to give your tithes and your offerings, there's baskets right here and you can do so. There's communion available. And then there are ministry teams. And here's the deal: we don't want to just leave and say that's great. We want to give God a chance to respond this morning, and for you to respond. And so, hey, if you're good and need to go, I get it. But if we come into this time of worship and like God wants you to respond by getting prayer, whatever it may be, we just give you an opportunity to do that. So, with that, we pray for us and we officially release. Father, we ask now, God, that you would take those who've been baptized. God, that you truly would overwhelm them with your Spirit that you would baptize them afresh and anew uh, in the power and the goodness and your faithfulness, God, to know you in fullness. that God, they would walk with you all the days of their life. And I pray for our people, God, in this work that you're doing of of being a people that you can strongly support as they choose to, that you give them grace, your ability, your power, your movement to make those things happen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you're officially released but we have our teams available. We're going to stay in worship.